I'm thankful that I'm converted and sanctified. Amen. I'm thankful that the Lord has allowed me to be here today. I don't know what your situation in life may be. I don't know what your relationship with God may be. But I'm here just to tell you my experience and to tell you what God has put on my heart. Amen. I hope that it's a blessing to you. But I'm, more than that, I hope that the Holy Spirit sends it to wherever it needs to go. I have been uh, studying quite a bit, thinking quite a bit, reading quite a bit about the Holy Spirit of God. If you've been in our Sunday school class this morning, I thought it was good. It was sort of a refresher course on what our doctrine is, what salvation is about. And I thought of several places. I thought of a word that's not in the Bible, but it's a Hebrew word, and I'm going to butcher it up saying it's called Shinakah. It means the dwelling place of God or the glory of God. And I thought as I thought of that word, I thought of in uh, Exodus, the 40th chapter, you'll find where that God led the children of Israel by fire and a cloud. Amen. And the cloud filled the tabernacle. His glory was there. And when that glory was lifted, they went forth. He gave them direction. He gave them direction with his Holy Spirit. And I thought over in, um, I think it's Samuel, when the Ark of the Covenant was being moved one time, his Holy Spirit was upon the ark, and he had given people instruction of what to do, and the ark looked like it was going to shake and sort of roll away, and one man, hoping and trying to help out, reached out to grab a hold of the ark, but he died. He killed him. Because the Holy Spirit had, had, had God had, had, had told him not to do that. And he was instructed, and even though it looked like it was the proper thing to do, and he thought he was going to help God. It was the wrong thing to do because it was disobedience. And then I thought of the temple that Solomon built, of the Holy Spirit, of how he came down and filled the entire temple so that the priest could not go in. It filled it completely, causing its power to, to uh, uh, be there. But then I thought of Leviticus in the 16th chapter, and Brother Robert was working around this this morning somewhat. I thought of the tabernacle. I thought of the holiest of holies. Amen. And I'll try to speed through this, my thoughts, real, real quick if I can. But I thought uh, how God had given instructions of how to go into the holiest of holies. There was the ark. There was the mercy seat. There was the cherubims as they stretched forth their, 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 their hands over it. And as he went in, he was to, and I never noticed this before until probably about a year or so ago. As he went in to the holiest of holies, he was to gather incense, to put on the fire, to create a cloud. So that when God came down to meet with man at the, at the ark, at the mercy seat between the cherubims, there was a cloud right. between him and God. God. God met with man once a year there. But met with a priest once a year there. But this cloud was forever there, forever there. And I thought as we talked about the Old Testament of how that God dwelt with man, how he came and went, how he anointed people, and how he did these things, I thought that 
God was always around, but mankind always had a rough time finding out where he was at and what he wanted him to uh, do. And I thought, and we're going to be reading in Galatians and Philippians mostly today. If, if, if you want to turn there, in the, in the fourth chapter, in about the fourth verse it says, But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his Son, made of woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoptions of sons. And because ye are sons, God has sent forth his Spirit into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Amen. Now, the doctrine of our church is, that when that that Christ was born, he was born of a virgin. He came as part of the of, of of God and mankind. And as he lived upon this life, he did the will of God. Amen. Then he was crucified for our sins. He was resurrected. Whenever he was crucified, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from top to bottom signifying, as we said this morning, that the holiest of holies was open to mankind, that mankind had an entrance to God, and that he could commune with God on an individual basis. And then, as this entrance was made in Acts, we find that, that uh, well, we first of all, that he was resurrected, and then in Acts we find that he had sent his Holy Spirit. His Holy Spirit to indwell us as human beings to have a relationship with Him. And we believe that the, that the Holy Spirit is an indwelling Spirit. Amen. That it's the second coming. Amen. That it's the resurrection. That it fulfills all of the ordinances that we have. Amen. That we are a spiritual people. And that we live a spiritual life. And that our relationship with with God is spiritual. Thank you. And that it does make a difference in our life. In St. John, the, the 14th chapter, But when the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things, and bring all things to your remembrance, that whatsoever I have said unto you, peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Amen. As I have been thinking and my thoughts go and come, and I have a lot of thoughts, and, and I don't know whether I'll be able to even remember all of them or not. But I think of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit into my life, of how it works, how it takes complete control. Amen. You know, we look back through the Old Testament and we begin to look at the power that it had, of how great it was. I begin to wonder, how can I begin to understand what it would do in my life? How can I begin to understand the things that I have just told you, they sort of roll off my tongue and, and you accept them and, or you don't accept them and you say, well, that can't be or this can't be. But the whole crux of everything that we have here is that he has indwelled his spirit within our life Amen. if we are sanctified. Once we have been forgiven of our sins and ask him to do away with everything that we have done, 
That's the first work. The second work is a consecration work. It is an eradication work. It does the way with the inward sin that we have in our life that we inherited from Adam, but it also requires us giving our life to him. You know, sometimes we don't, we don't think much about that. We, we think that we just give our life to him, and uh, we go on from there, and it doesn't take much, much effort after that. But he requires our full attention, day by day, moment by moment. This I say, this is back in Galatians again. This I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. What did he say? He said, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. That's a powerful statement. In Romans, Paul said he had a rough time doing that in the, in the seventh chapter. He said he couldn't do it. He said it was almost impossible for him to be able to, to live a life like that. Of course, it goes through the rest of the chapter, and he tells you of how that the indwelling of the Holy Spirit within his life changes his life, makes him a new man, Amen. makes him a new creature, changes things completely in his life so that he can... What? Walk in the spirit and not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other so that you cannot do the things you would. But if you be led of the spirit, you're not under the law. You're not under the flesh. We have to abide. In John it talks about the, the branch and the vine. Being a branch, how do we have our root system embedded into what God would have? You know, uh, words fail me to be able to explain to you in words what the Spirit of God can do in your life. Amen. Until you have known what it is, there's a there's there's a there's a uh, there's a verse that says in a song says I wish I could describe the beauty of this paradise, but your eyes are blind, you cannot see. That's right. I can point you to the book, and you can open wide and look. But what you have to do, you have to live holy all the time. You're not going to escape. I'm not going to escape. Right. Without holiness, we don't escape. We can rationalize. We can excuse ourselves, say, we're, say that we're different, say that we're special. God didn't mean us to be in this situation. He's a loving God. He understands my problem. But what is he telling us? He's telling us to live holy all the time, every day. He tells us to live holy. That's the only way. We can think that we maybe are getting by. We think that we maybe have done good. We've treated our neighbor fairly, and we have, we have tried, to, tried to love everybody, and we've not any, done anything that, that we know that's so immoral or that is that is out. That, that really doesn't make any difference. It, it doesn't make any difference Amen. with God. Unless you come his way, you don't go. 
unless I go his way, I don't go. It doesn't make any difference who we are or where we're at. Amen. But I don't want to dwell on that. I want to dwell on what he can do. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. This is in, this is in Galatians 2. Now, I have not really paid too much attention to this, but, uh, I mean, I've read it many, many times, but I got to thinking about this. The fruit of the Spirit. You see, how can I live holy? By His Spirit within you. What does that mean? That's spiritual, and I'm flesh. How am I going to make this thing work? How's He going to make it work in my life? He says, the fruit of the Spirit. He didn't say the fruit of Tommy Bonner is love, joy, peace. He didn't say that I was going to do these things. He said he was going to do these Amen. things. Right. He was going to do these things through me. What do you mean through me? I'm a vessel. Whenever I consecrate myself and ask him to come into my life, I give myself to him totally unrestricted. Amen. And when I yield myself day by day and learn to walk with the Holy Spirit and have him work within my life, his fruit, not my fruit, is love, joy, peace. And we read in John just a few minutes ago where he said he would give us peace, not as the world giveth, but something far greater. And I look at the world today And most of the people that I know have turmoil in their lives. They either have a problem, one of another kind, all of a kind. They have problems. You know, this is, you know, it rains on the just and and, uh, the unjust. We will will have sickness. We will have financial problems. We will have all of these things come upon us. But what he gives us is the peace to live through it, the understanding to understand what his will is in our life, to be able to accept what he has for us in our life, to be able to cope, to be able to trust him, that deep, deep, deep peace that the world doesn't know about. The kind that when everything that you see has gone wrong around you, the kind when everything is going downhill, that you feel peaceful inside. That you have contentment inside. I mean, you may not particularly like what's happening, but you have that deep, deep, settled peace. Amen. That's what the Holy Spirit gives. Long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith. Meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. Amen. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lust. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Those are the fruits that he brings into our life. The fruits that the world can't give. The things that the world have no understanding of. And yet they're seeking them on every hand. In every level of life you see it. Power they seek. Escape they seek. Peace they seek. Everything that they can to satisfy a drive within their life. And they don't know what they're looking for. 
It's God. It's the Holy Spirit. If we live in the Spirit, let us all all walk in the Spirit. And I thought uh, you 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 could say, well, that's well and good time. I understand what you're saying. You say that you 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 get converted and you've forgiven of your sins and then you ask the Lord to come into your heart and you're sanctified and and uh, he indwells his Holy Spirit with, within your life and uh, you're filled and and uh, and uh, then you uh, and then and then the Lord takes over and he walks for you he said but you don't you don't understand my circumstances I, 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 I have to go out here and I have to deal with certain types of people I have to make a living I have to keep a home I have to do all these things. I, I don't. I don't. I don't have time to. To. Uh, I mean, I have to deal with reality. You're talking about spiritual things, and, and I have to deal with reality in life. We're talking about reality in life. We're talking about something that works. Do you have a conscience? Do you let that conscience guide you in your actions, or do you override it? When you know that you're supposed to be doing something, do you just let it ride? Do you let something else influence your life or do you let your conscience take hold? A lot of times we like to sear our conscience. We like to rationalize our position. We like to think that, you know, it, it doesn't matter with us. We're, we're special. We're, we're exceptional. Sometimes when we have the Holy Spirit, if we're, if we're not careful, we get where we act that way. Amen. We just want to do what we want to do. But you know, the Holy Spirit only works when I, the word I, is removed from the vocabulary. Because the word, the, the Holy Spirit works by us yielding ourselves to God. Amen. We yield ourselves to God to receive it. We yield ourselves to God daily as a moment-by-moment moment dedication as we walk with Him. Amen. And we have to be sensitive to each initial prompting of the Holy Spirit if we want to walk with the Holy Spirit. Now, if we don't want to walk with it, we can ignore it, we can shove it aside, push it aside, go on somewhere else, and we will get weak, and we will wither on the vine. We'll wonder what happened to us. What happened to our relationship? It's a moment-by-moment walk, and we have to make sure that we obey and I like these words. These are not my words. These are someone else's. The initial, that's the beginning, isn't it? The initial prompting, that's just the Holy Spirit speaking to you gently. You know, the Holy Spirit is not going to overwhelm you. He's not going to knock you down. He has to be entreated into your life. And he has to be entreated into your walk. When you walk with Satan... All you have to do is just go his way because he's going to shove you, push you, and do everything he can to keep you going down and away. Right. You don't have to even think. You just move Amen. because he's moving with you. And he's causing things to happen that will happen into your life. But when you have the Holy Spirit and you want the Holy Spirit to take part of your life, you have to entreat the Holy Spirit. You have to work with the Holy Spirit. You have to ask that it be part of your life. He just doesn't come in and take over. Unless we ask him to. Whenever we ask him to, he fulfills, he fills all in all, everything that we need. But we have to stay in the position that we want him. 
we have to stay in the position of being a vessel, a vessel that he can fill, a vessel that he can use, a vessel that is just a vessel, doesn't have any ego, doesn't have any great desires that it wants to overwhelm, doesn't want to harness the Holy Spirit so that it can be directing the Holy Spirit. You've seen people that would like to harness the Holy Spirit, that want to direct the Holy Spirit, that are demanding that the Holy Spirit does something. It doesn't work that way. Amen. It doesn't work that way. It works the reverse. We have to be a willing vessel for the Holy Spirit to work within our life. We have our conscience. And as we walk with the Holy Spirit, He prompts it. He gives us direction. We have the peace that we have. You know, when we make decisions in life, if you ever made decisions and you sort of override something and you say, well, I know this is probably not the best, but I'm going to do it anyway. You're making, what does the scripture say? He that doubteth is damned if he eat. If you move in the wrong direction, you got problems. Amen. Another, another way we can look at it is the peace that he brings in our life. Whenever you make a decision and you can lay down on your bed and your decision is peaceful, you don't have any tossing and turning and wonder if I did the right thing and wonder if I did the wrong thing. Whenever that decision is peaceful, that decision is being led by the Holy Spirit. He's giving you that rest. And you have to let the Holy Spirit have His way within your life. Another way we can work with the Holy Spirit is through this. And this is, this is wonderful. The Word. Amen. Of how it fills. Of how it energizes your life. Of how we call it the living word, because as you read, the Holy Spirit prompts your mind, causes you to understand what He would have you to get out of the verses that that uh, uh, you read. And you say, "What do you mean by that?" I mean, as your life changes and things happen in your life as you go from day to day, get older, different problems occur. You can read the same verse that you read when you, whenever you were young and got so much out of it and got so much help. And that same verse takes on a different meaning in your life. The Word gives you new direction. Amen. Steers you in the right current. Keeps you moving in the right direction. We have our conscience. We have the peace. We have the Word. And through all this mixture we have, we have wisdom that God gives us to walk with Him day by day. Without that wisdom, which is letting these things prompt us and work with us in our life, we walk the wrong way. Now you say, what, what, what are you saying? What is a walk with the Holy Spirit? Well, let's go back to what I said before. A walk with the Holy Spirit is a moment-by-moment moment walk. Amen. A focused walk. That you're thinking about what you're doing. That you're just not rambling all over the place. That you're letting the Holy Spirit walk within your life. As you treat... Your fellow man, say you're a builder, the subcontractors that you use, the suppliers that you use, how do you treat them? What's your actions toward them? Not help. The people that you come in contact with day by day, your fellow office workers, what's your reaction? How do you work? Do you let the Holy Spirit prompt you? Or do you just let... <coughs> 
whatever the circumstances may be, give you whatever direction that you may go. God is asking that we let him fill the vessel. Amen. Fill us completely. Work within our life, moment by moment, and that we obey his promptings. And when he does, when, when he does, and when we do that, he gives us a victorious life. A victorious life over everything, everything that the world possibly could throw at us. Amen. It gives us, it gives us something that's worth living. A powerful life. A life full of the power of God. There's no more questioning. There's no more hand-wringing. We moved through life with God. In Philippians, in the fourth chapter, let your moderation be known unto all men, the Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Okay? He'll keep you. Amen. Moment by moment. If we listen to him and we yield ourselves to him, and I mean we have to yield ourselves to him. When we don't, we have problems. Finally, my brethren, we want to yield ourselves. Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are true. You know, I thought if you just focused in your life on the true things and let go of the things that didn't matter and let go of the things that you didn't know anything about and let go of the things that are false of how straight your, your life would, would take its course. Amen. Whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of a good report, if there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, think on these things. Right. He's told us how we can walk. Amen. All we have to do is walk. All we have to do is yield ourselves. And then he tells us a few verses down, he says, Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned that whatsoever state I am, therewith to be content. For I know both how to be abased... And I know how to abound. You know, that's, that's, that's the Holy Spirit. If you get too elevated, he can cause us to be brought down. But you know also, whenever you have a position that may be in authority or may be above somebody else, he don't have to bring us down. We can walk in a level that, we're, that, that, that we are level with everybody else. He can cause us to be there. Amen. And when we're down below everything... He knows how to bring us up. But if we're walking with him, we don't feel like we have lost everything. We feel level. Everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry. Both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ 
which strengtheneth me. And then in my closing verse, or one of the verses I want to use, my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. There's one other verse that is my favorite verse, if I can find it here real quick. And this summarizes the way I think, and, 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 and I read this all the time to myself because I think it tells me of what I just told you. But we have this treasure, a treasure, Amen. something worth more than anything the world could ever give us. In earthen vessels, our fleshly body, that why? Why did he give it to us in this body? Why didn't he just take us on to home to heaven? He says that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. That we can understand that it wasn't us. It's not us in any shape, form, or fashion. And if we want to be victorious, it's him. And he will make us victorious. He will set us on high if we yield ourselves to him. Y'all pray for me.